Praise our Heavenly Father. This morning we are uh, talking about the kingdom of heaven still, still, and it's really awesome. I, I love talking about God. I love, I love, I, I, it, I have notes and I have scripture and I, I ask the Holy Spirit to what, what we're going to do this morning and how we're going to do this and you guys know, you guys know the drill. I try to like, okay, listen to the Holy Spirit. What's He saying first? And I'm, I'm going to get some things out that I think the Holy Spirit wants us to hear, and then I'll get to my notes. <laughs> and I think the Holy Spirit wants to hear those too. Uh, I do believe that there's, there's that we are in a time and in a place in our world, in our in our society, if you will, and that's um, hungry for the Lord, hungry for the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. And, and I think that's a, that too is a work of the Holy Spirit. That isn't something that the world comes up with. God, the Holy Spirit, is, is causing a hunger in all peoples, all lands, all nations across the world, around the globe. And it's interesting that that's the thing that he says that will happen in, in during in end times, or during some end times, these, uh, what will happen is the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world, and then the end will come. So, we are the preachers. Not calling you, I'm not saying you have to be a preacher, but you are the, the actual sharers of God's kingdom. You're the light of the world still. Hello? You are the salt of the earth still. And after we get through this, this subject of the kingdom of God, we're going to talk about, I'm going to get into, in fact, we've got a couple more weeks left. Next week is going to be a lot of fun. Simply, not that I'm looking, jumping ahead, but I'm just letting you know ahead of time what next week will be about. It's about this great wedding banquet in the kingdom. And I think it's appropriate as it'll be wedding week in the Long family next week. And so it's, I want to talk about that next week. I, I, I'm looking forward to it because I, I feel like I'm, I share stuff that, I, that the Lord shares with me. And I, I, uh, I'll just be straight with you. I don't feel adequate to share all that God shares because I think that there's sometimes the Lord puts stuff in my spirit and I try to convey it in, with my mouth and with these English words that I know, and it doesn't measure up to what's in my spirit. Does anybody struggle with that 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 issue in your own very life? And it's a, it's um, I think the deeper we get into God, the more we realize how limited we are in this world and in this life and with this mind and this brain and all this stuff that I got to deal with to try to translate that which God in my in God's spirit shares with me and so so bear with me and ask the Holy Spirit I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit right now Father God in the name of Jesus by the mighty power of your Holy Spirit that you would open up our ears to hear what you have us to hear that you would cause the words that come out of my mouth and other people's mouths that share they would be your words and your words only and that that our ears would hear what you'd have us to hear this morning and that there would be an encouragement there be enlightenment, be revelation, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Talking about this some, a subject, I'm going to throw some glasses on here because I'm going to quote something out of uh, 
Uh, this is one of my, this is a book that sits by my bed uh, every, all the time, never moves. It's uh, Watchman Nee, Secrets, Keys to Spiritual Power, Secrets to Spiritual Power. Um, I just dig into it and just, it's one of these things that, uh, that I love. So I'm going to read something here. So I'm going to talk about the loving judgment of God. And, and I, I think that's a subject that I'm thinking if we were to uh, um, kind of break it down for a second. I was just like, I feel like um, progressive Christians are fearful of talking about the judgment of God. When I say progressive, postmodern, progressive Christians, that which is, exists today in our church and our world today are a little fearful of talking about the judgment of God simply because they're afraid to run people off, scare people off, because we don't want to talk about God's judgment. So we don't talk about it because we're afraid it'll scare people away, scare people off. And then you have legalistic Christians that, that love to talk about the judgment of God, hoping that they'll scare people in. And I don't think either are correct. And so I, what I, my, our goal and my objective this morning, and I believe it's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, is, is to perceive the judgment of God correctly. Understand it, receive it, perceive it, and, and therefore be able to walk in what God has for us. Because I think that it's a, it's, a, it's a part of God that we can't just like say doesn't exist. God's judgment. Um, so... My hope and prayer this morning, we'll talk about it in a way that I, I feel it'll give us revelation, help us to understand that we'll see it correctly. So I'm going to quote, I'm going to read this quote from a Watchman Nee. This is awesome. Listen to this. It said, judgment is a fundamental enlightening. Once he has been struck down with judgment, you as a Christian that he's referring to, a person will immediately see with the least amount of light. Did you hear that? That's interesting. This enables one to properly discern, properly discern and judge not only his own life, but also the lives of others and to learn from them. Kind of like what Jesus said, he referring to, he said, how dare you say, so look at you. you. You look at the, your brother's eye and point out the speck in his and yet you got a log coming out of yours. So this is, this is talk, referring to that. This is, it's really good stuff. I don't know if I'm, I'm enjoying it. This enables one to properly discern and judge not only his own life, but also the lives of others. And to learn from them, as, and as this occurs, spiritual advancement will undoubtedly be quite noticeable. Thus, according to the light of his judgment, one is brought to life. And then he says this, he says, in the outer court, this is talking about the presence of God as we walk into and we, we aim to, to, uh, to get into his presence, talking about the tabernacle of God, because that's where the presence of God is a, is a picture of God's presence. In the outer court, the light is natural. In the holy place, there is an artificial or man-made light. But in the holiest of all, there is neither natural light nor artificial light. There is only the light of the glory of God. And therefore, in the holiest of all, that one can see and see clearly and correctly according to God's light. Amen? And that's why when we talk about judgment, I think we got to get it right. I think getting it wrong is will do a couple things. It will cause us to... If you remember a parable that Jesus tells, 
about giving away talents so that people can do something with them, giving it to three different people. And in the three different distribution of these talents, one, one of them, he does well with it. He doubles his talents. And God says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the other, he doubles his talents. Well done, good and faithful servant. And then the third comes to him and he says, well, I was afraid because I, 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 I perceived you as a harsh person, as a harsh man. And so therefore I hid it in the ground and I did nothing with it. It was how he perceived God. And that's what Jesus is telling us this parable so we can get this understanding that when we perceive God as correctly, we'll do the thing that God has us called, calls us to do. In fact, it'll free us to actually be even more, more of what God created us to be when we understand the judgment of God. Now, why is this a fearful thing? You guys are all looking at me like uh, either you're waiting for something really good or you're like, oh gosh, why did I come today? <laughs> Which one did I get? Okay, waiting. Good answer. <laughs> I try to understand and, see, and read what's going on in your heart and mind. Boy, that's a mistake, huh? I, yeah. I love, I love one of the things I read in Watchman Nee's book this morning when I was reading this. It said, it was really good. It said that, the, uh, see if I can quote it from memory. It says, a baby Christian will, will walk into life, this thing called Christianity, thinking that they're, they're believing that their heart is good and their actions need to be corrected. But it's until we walk with God for even any amount of time and, and walk in maturity that we realize that it's really not anything about our actions, but God is looking at our heart and our heart really is wicked and evil. And allowing God to do that work inside of us is, is really the work of the kingdom. Remember we talked about a couple weeks ago about being like leaven. The inner work of God doing some, some stuff inside of us and getting into every nook and cranny of me. That means the motives of my heart, the, 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 the issues that I deal with because out of the issues of life, or from, from the heart come all the issues of life. And that's what God is dealing with on a regular basis. And God is a good God and a loving Father. Amen? Amen. Thank you for the... It is the apathetic, indifferent father that doesn't give a rip about what his children are doing. And God is not apathetic and indifferent towards you as his child. He loves you. And so he will love you. And he will love me. And he'll deal with me as a loving father would deal with a child that he loves. And that I am on board for, and that I signed up for as I said yes to Jesus. That God, I said, God, you now have me. Deal with me as you see fit. Do the stuff in me that needs to be done. And so we can't sign off and say, and just exclude and say, no, God's judgment is not the God that I signed up for. Because then we would say, then I, then I would just simply make God in my own image, right? Which, that's a foolish thing. I mean, what, what kind of fool makes God out to be like himself? 
a fool, a fool of fools. And that's not how we were created or designed. We were designed in his image. We don't design God in our image. Amen. So let's, uh, I, got, I got some scripture. And when I was asking the Holy Spirit about like, okay, how, how do I even go here? <laughs> I know this is a simple thing to say, but I'm going to just say it as I feel, felt like the Holy Spirit said. Is he said, well, I wrote it all down. Like, okay, <laughs> it's in the book. I wrote it all down. What more do you want? I'm like, but I want all these like really cool illustrations and examples, and so I can like really share some really awesome stuff, you know? Like, and, and he says, just read the word. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so. If you need more than the word this morning, then I think you might have come on a wrong day. I don't think you came on a wrong day. I think you came on a right day. Hey, next week will be a right day too. And the week after. Amen? Amen. 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 I like that. Matthew chapter 24. Actually, you know where I'm going to go this morning first before I get into that? Because I think it's, it's appropriate to read it in context of where, where Jesus uh, was. Uh, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21. I think it's, it's and then we'll go, we'll, we'll talk about Matthew 24, and then, then another couple passages of Matthew 14 and Hebrews 12. Like I said, it's in the book. Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 21, he says, and this is Jesus at the end of this awesome sermon, the Sermon of Sermons. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, on that day, he's referring to judgment day. Jesus spoke more about judgment day than, than well, I was going to say than any other Jesus. He's the only Jesus. So, so here's where what I'd like us to just really understand for a quick second. If what Jesus spoke about the end times and about Judgment Day, I think if anybody knows about it, it's Jesus. Correct? We have our interpretations and our ideas and our thoughts, and some, a lot of the ideas and thoughts that we have interpreted about what eschatology is and how the end will come about. And whether it's rapture, whether it's pre-rapture, post-rapture, mid-rapture, I don't know, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all these things that we confuse it, complicate it, and make it a little bit challenging for us to understand and actually even frustrate a lot of us believers. Again, it's, it's, I think what Jesus says is most important, right? Not what I think, not what you think, not what you think that the, think, that, that the, that the church has thought for you know, we think that the church has thought the way that we think for thousands of years. Do you realize you're wrong in that? You realize that you are wrong, that what you think that the church has thought for thousands of years is wrong. A lot of the things that you think about how you think about the, how the end is going to come, a lot of that stuff has come up with just in the last 100 years or 200 years. I, I'm, not, I'm not making that up. A lot of the stuff that we believe about eschatology hasn't been what the church has believed all along, just so you know. So I think it still goes back to, let's go back to what Jesus said. If anybody knows about this, it's what Jesus said, right? 
Hello? So that's where we're going to go with this. Uh, this isn't going to be, you know, me trying to portray what I think about how things are going to be. I think it's just about what Jesus says. It says, on that day, this is what Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Before we go on to the next verse there, because that's just one verse, you know, this is why I've always believed and, and had taken the uh, approach that, that what matters most is knowing Jesus. And in the evidence of knowing Jesus and, the, and what, how we know that we know Jesus is in our obedience to him. That's what he says, those that know me, those that love me will obey me. And here this is this little insert that Jesus actually gives us that the focus isn't on what, whether we know Jesus and obey Jesus, but what all these giftings, these talents that we have. And we want to make it about my ability, my gifting. And this, doesn't he say that? Because that sounds pretty like a powerful, some powerful giftings there. Casting out demons, healing people. How do you not know Jesus if you do that stuff? Well, by some other power because you make it about yourself and about your gifting other than just the simple truth of just knowing Jesus. Because that's what matters most. Even to the very end, he says it. If you don't know me, you depart from me. And they want him, you know, at this time, they say, and he says many. If Jesus says many, I think he's referring to quite a few not just a few. Hello? I, we got to get the focus right. Hello? We, we do. We do. You guys, I love you, brothers and sisters. We got to stay the course and get the focus right. I, it's a passion that I want to see all of us with him. Let's go on. And then he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine, and this is like, I love that this is the end, the crescendo of this sermon of sermons. Everyone who hears these words of mine and then does them, so here you go, hears them, does them, hears them, puts them into practice. Love me, obey my word. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house. Beat on that house. Hello? Have, has anyone lied to you and told you that being a Christian, now you signed up for, as you sign up for being a Christian, now your life is going to be grand and glorious and easy and, and whoo-hoo, smooth sailing from here on out? Who lied to you? Good. Nobody in this church. Amen. But here's what it is, is he will give us a solid ground to stand on. You say yes to Jesus, commit your life to Christ. He gives you the rock to stand on because he is the rock. Hello? Because the world, the culture, life, even your own. I was going to like say a bunch of stuff, you know, like stupid, idiotic decisions that you make and, and things that you do will shake you up. It will beat on you. Beat on you. 
And I, 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 it's just what Jesus said. Anybody in here, like, you don't always like the stuff that Jesus said? This is one of those things, one of those places. But we will stand. It did not fall because it had been founded. It had been planted. It had been grounded, built on the rock. Hallelujah. So, yes. Amen. Very cool. Very cool. So let me, let me just quiz you. This is an open book quiz. Totally just like, and I already gave you the answers. What is the actual building on the rock? What is that? Oh, see, good job. Thank you. You just heard it, and now you put it. It's actually hearing and doing what he says to do. Hello? Hearing and actually putting it into practice, doing what he says to do. Isn't that awesome? That's really cool. You know, it, it, it could be said that obedience is simple action. Submission is... No, obedience is dealing with your actions, like actually doing the stuff that God says to do. Obeying the Lord where God says to obey. Where God says to give, you actually give. You don't think about it. You don't pray about it. No, I'm serious. Did I just say that? Yeah. Just obey. Well, let me pray about how much I should give that homeless guy that needs a... Oh, you know what? If I do that, they're just going to go buy a beer with it. Come on. Obey the Lord when he says to help somebody, help somebody. When he says to do it, when he says to do it, do it. When he says to pray for somebody, pray for somebody. Don't pray about whether then I should pray about it. Just do it. You guys understand where, where, where I, I think that there's a, and, and you, you think God, the Holy Spirit gets frustrated with you? Just a little bit. And with me. Oh, let me think about that one. Let me pray about that one. No, I, please don't take that wrongly. When God says to obey, obey him. And, 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 and if you need to know why, ask why like, you know, five years from now. That's okay. Just obey the Lord when he says to do something. Where was I at? somewhere just yeah obedience is action obedience is action dealing with the actions of your life submission to the Lord is dealing with the attitude of your heart that's cool stuff obedience is dealing with the actions of your life submission to the Lord is dealing with the attitude of your heart God loves you and won't leave you where you're at if you're not where you're supposed to be. I'll say that again. God loves you and won't leave you where you're at if you're not where you're supposed to be because he's a good father. And he's not indifferent and he's not apathetic. He's involved. I'm sorry, Dave, you were going to say something and I just kept going. In John chapter 4, yeah. 
Yes. Yes. Do it. <laughs> That's a pretty cool, cool scene. My mind goes to The Chosen because the scene, they play that one out really well if you haven't seen it yet. Yes. Oh, question. Question? Question? Thought? Comment? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, they, uh, Leslie was saying that that verse was given to her uh, about the salt mine back in the 90s, 92? 8, 8. About building on the rock, being obedient. And, and David was just was, uh, sharing about the, the wedding, the, Cana, the wedding in Canaan where where Jesus' mother told all the workers to just simply do what Jesus says to do. And the stuff that Jesus said to do was really crazy, was kind of wild. L like pour water into these jars and then serve them to the servants as though it's the fine wine. I, I mean, that would have just been like, uh, what? Jesus, I think you lost your mind. And she just, she encouraged the, the workers, the, the servants, just simply do what he says. So let's, let's move on. I, I, I don't know where, how far we'll get this morning. Let's go. Let's go for it, though. Uh, even if I got to cut some stuff out, that's okay. Um, the rain fell, and, and of course the house stood because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine, so here's, there's, a, there's, there's something happening here. Jesus is pointing out two different types of people. They're both hearing the words, but does not do them. Anyone who hears these words of mine, but does not put them into practice, does not do them, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, in this building on the sand, it may look foolish to those that know how to build a house properly, but to this man and to many others and a lot of the world, it looks like he's building a grand house. Like, wow. That guy's building up pretty quick. Wow, look at what he's doing with his life. Isn't he doing some really neat stuff? And it looks great. It looks grand. Until, until the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and its fall was great. It was a great crash. This may seem kind of harsh to, that God would take this approach at us and towards us. But again, for us to perceive and understand the loving judgment of God, we must see it as what God is wanting to do and what God is doing in us and through us. He's not leaving us alone, not leaving us to ourselves. And so when he deals with us and when he, when he seems to allow the beating, the wind, the rain, the storm to hit us, um, it seems as though God's not there and it may seem as though God doesn't care but that's why we must get it correctly when we get God correctly we know and we understand and we truly believe 
that everything that does come at us, God is in it. God is there. God is with us. God is for us. God is with me. God is holding me. God is sustaining me. God is keeping me. He is the one that blesses me and keeps me. It's him. It's not me and my wise choices, my smart acts, my hard work. It's him that holds me and sustains me. And so when we know this is true and we really believe this and buy into this truth, that it doesn't matter what the winds do, the rain does, the storms do, the world does, the culture does, political movements, uh, um, whether it's viruses or antiviruses or, or whether it's, it, it just doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that that's all irrelevant stuff, but it doesn't matter because I'm on the rock. I'm holding, I'm being held up by God. And so that's what we need to stand on. That's where we need to stand and that's where we need to keep our focus. That's where we need to keep our gaze. I believe it 100% more than ever now before, than ever before. And I hate that phrase because I, just, I, I think it's, but I believe it's an, a phrase that we need, must use now more than ever before. So I encourage you, I'm going to ask you to just simply, I'm going to ask you to do this in a, in a, uh, on your own, is to read Matthew chapter 24. It's a fantastic chapter and it's, it's talking about the end times and and something in there that, I, that I'd like to highlight, if, if you can, for a second. And I'm just going to, um, well, no, never mind, because if I do that, I'll, it'll take me somewhere else. And it's, 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 a, it's a, a hole I don't know if I'll be able to get out of. So, so, so let's read it on your own time. If you have questions and thoughts. Um, Well, let's, let's, uh, let's hit it for a second. I can't help it. You know, in Jesus referring to what's going to happen during the end times and how it's going to play out, uh, there's something that's really very clear that Jesus points out um, in Matthew 24 and other places in Scripture. He's talking about, uh, and he uses it in terms of, of the, it, it, not only a parable, but... but but many places, like even he says that where the sheep are separated from the goats. Um, uh, in fact, that's that 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 term that he's using there is an understanding that that they understood at the time the the people of that day because that's what shepherds did. They it, it took a it took a, a um, an understanding and even a wise eye to see a difference between a sheep and a goat. You know, all of us might say, well, how, how can you not tell? Well, they, they mimicked each other, and they looked a lot like each other. They did a lot of the things that were a lot alike, but, but the shepherd could tell the difference between a sheep and a goat. And a lot of it he could tell because of the inner workings of that animal, the inner attitude, the inner stuff that went on in that animal. And here's what Jesus points out that it's going to happen during the end times, and I'm, this is what something I want us to share. I don't want us to be clear about this is that when a person dies, you do not become an angel. You knew that, right? No, because what, what God has created and designed the angels to, to do, and this is in Hebrews chapter 1, the book of Hebrews is written for us to understand that Jesus is greater than. And it starts right off the bat talking about Jesus is greater than the angels, greater than the prophets, greater than, and greater than any blood sacrifice that any priest could make because Jesus' blood actually cleanses and sets us free from our sin. Jesus is greater than anything that man can bring or, or, or do. 
and even greater than the angels, which is pretty fantastic, and I'm super glad that he said that because this was an issue, and I think it still is an issue, that the angelic worship is still kind of intriguing. Um, and it's not all man's fault. Angels were kind of, they, they were, you know, from the beginning, I don't know if you guys remember Genesis chapter 6. How many of you read Genesis chapter 6 and be like, what the heck is going on there? This is some gnarly stuff. It's where the sons of God, the angels referring to, that came down and basically had intercourse with the beautiful women of earth. And, and from there, all these like super beings and creatures were, were they called the Nephilim, that they came to being. The, the mighty creatures, the mighty men of valor, the mighty, they, they were like, they came into existence. What the heck is this all about? This is funky stuff. This is like sci-fi, and this is actually recorded in the Bible, Genesis chapter 6. And, and, and that is what spurs, what spurs God to say, no, 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 no more. Not in my house, <laughs> right? <laughs> he says, no. So what's he, what that does is it brings about the destruction, the flood. So I'm going to wipe them off the planet because that's not what I designed. So the angels, you know, they kind of wreaked havoc. So there's been this, and, and if you remember Sodom and Gomorrah, remember when, when the, uh, the angels came and they visited Lot, they were, those, those men of, those, the people of that city, they wanted those angels. Do you know why they wanted those angels? Because they knew if I could get, we could get them no, I'm serious. This is the sickness of the people. We could get them to sleep with our women. We will have some beasts, the giants. We will have something. I'm serious. That's how sick people were in worshiping angels. So Jesus coming on the scene, this isn't something that's like new. Now, now we have a lot of weird stuff too in our day, Right? I mean, so, so Jesus is saying Jesus is greater than the angels. Well, angels, here's what's awesome about what angels are going to be doing during the end times, during this day, this judgment day. We know from Scripture that you have angels assigned to you. Do you know this? I, I'm just trying to be really clear about it, okay? I'm not trying to be weird about it. I believe that your angels know that you know Jesus or not. Because in Hebrews chapter 1, he says, angels were sent. They are ministering spirits sent to serve, commissioned to serve those who are to inherit salvation. They're about bringing you to Jesus. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit is the one that does the inner work, but the angels are the ones that are doing this outer work. Now, I believe that 100% that, that, that this door that was, or this opening is now like limited to what God says and allows people, angels to come through Yay or nay. We have, we have also accounts that people have entertained angels. People have entertained angels. We personally, our family, know from, for a fact that angels, an angel has, has actually saved one of my sons. Saved his life. I didn't bring it on. But that angel knew. It was Devin, and at one point, Devin was, he was actually, we, we were at a river, and all of a sudden, I'm not joking, this, is, this, this man walks up with Devin in his arms. 
He says, here, your son was under the water for about a minute or two. And I saw him from across the river, and I, I swam over and got him, and here you go. He's okay now. And we were just like, what, 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 what? And we said, oh, Devin, are you okay? And we looked up, and he was gone. Just like that. Gone. Like, like, like literally, there's no place for him to go because this place was a remote, like, place, and they're, like, just disappeared. And Devin was only like three or four years old, I think, maybe five. I can't remember exactly how old he was, but just a child. So what are angels going to be doing on Judgment Day? What Jesus said they're going to be doing. Separating. That's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be separating. Hello? That's what they're going to be doing. Whether or not you know Jesus... Whether or not you have said with the rightness in your heart, the place that you have, the, 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 the submission to him, whether or not you have submitted your life, your soul to Jesus as Lord and Savior, they know that. And I know you know and I know and, I, and we're all on this page. I want to be the one on the right that, that my angels say, here you go. Right? I know that's a simple thing, but I need us to understand it clearly and correctly. But that keeps us, uh, let's keep us with our focus where it needs to be, on Jesus. Amen? Amen. That stuff isn't something that I make up. It's like in Scripture. In fact, that's part of, a, part of, the, part of the plan is we actually going to, and listen, angels are created beings. They're not omnipresent. In other words, they're not everywhere. Your angel isn't there everywhere. <laughs> I know this is a, I don't pray to angels, but I pray to God to keep my angels alert, awake, maybe even send another extra, you know, one or two. I think that's okay. I do it all the time. Do it all the time, especially when one of my kids is driving down I-5 from L.A. to here, or here to L.A. God, would you put an angel at every tire? Just, just like get him down there and get him back safely. I, 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 I think there's a place in Scripture that he talks about us actually judging the angels. We're actually going to hold them accountable for how, what kind of job they did with our lives. This is crazy stuff, but it's real. It's right in what Jesus said. So I'm going to get back to what I think we, we need to get back to, which is really cool. Is something that happened in the Bible, and, and it's an incident right after, it's in Matthew chapter 14, 14 and it's an incident that, that takes place. Jesus, Jesus finds out that his cousin John's head was lobbed off. Lost his cousin, John the baptizer. And then they, they, they try to get away, and as they try to get away, the crowds follow, and as the crowds follow, they stick with them and stay with them, and so Jesus has compassion on them, and they're all hungry. So he feeds them with, uh, with five loaves and two fish. So he's doing, this, is, this all happens within the day, and so he tells his disciples, he says, now get in this boat, go across to the other side, and I'll meet you over there. 
This was late. This is late. It was already dark. And so he says, go, over, go across the, and, and I'll meet you over there. So in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, we'll start. Immediately he made, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowds, listen, I want you to hear this real quick. Immediately when he got into the boat, he said, and when he dismissed the crowds, and after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, this, this, in Mark, he says, it says that he tells them, I will meet you on the other side. That's how, we, that's how we know, I know that, because that's what the Bible says. So after, his, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat, by this time, was a long way from the land. And it was being beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And Jesus sees this. And in the fourth watch of the night, which that's about between 3 and 6 in the morning, he came to them. Jesus comes to them, walking on the sea, walking on the water. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And so they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, this is Peter, this is really hilarious. Lord, if it is you, tell me to come out on the water with you. (laughs) I don't know what he was thinking, other than it's like, what, what, what is, I mean, what if it wasn't Jesus? I mean, I mean, would this ghost say, oh, yeah, come on out. Ha-ha, sucker. <laughs> no, Jesus knew that it was him. Jesus knew that it was him. No, I'm sorry. Peter knew that it was Jesus. And so he was really, this is Peter, just like, I want to do what you're doing. I want to be a part of what you're doing. So Peter got out of the boat. Well, actually, said so he said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. I love that. I just love that. I don't know why this is, and believe me, I'm actually surprised, maybe not, but surprised that there isn't an entire domination, domination, denomination called the water walkers or something like this you know that let's let's build a whole entire church and denomination of called the water walkers and let's put it to the test wouldn't that be hey let's go to we're we're going out to the lake today guys we're doing we're doing some water walking we're gonna practice i don't know how that would work out maybe they tried it probably was attempted and it didn't work so it didn't take people People, including we, are not too bright. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. And then saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then they got into the boat, and the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Now there's two things that will keep our eyes off Jesus that he refers to here. Very simple, 
fear and unbelief. Fear and unbelief. And why am I talking about this this morning in regards to the kingdom of heaven? And simply this is because we, we, are, we are right smack in the middle placed in a torrential storm. Some of us are in a storm that is very personal, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's we lost our husband. This is a storm that we're in. And fear and unbelief are always crouching at our door, trying to get our eyes off Jesus. Because it's so simple when, when it's the simplicity of simply keeping our eyes on Jesus will keep us above all of the stuff that's going on in this world. Even the stuff in my own personal life that seems to be like, I don't know if I can get through this. I don't know if I'll make it through this day. I don't know if this is going to be able to, if, if I'll be able to say at the end of the day, it is well and it is okay. And then we get into the political environment and it's like just massive just confusion and chaos and this it's a rain there's wind and there's stuff that's going on that we must that that we just must hold steady and hold tight and stay the course and keep our eyes on Jesus keep our eyes on Jesus it's super imperative and it's more important now than ever before for us to keep our eyes on Jesus do you think it was important for Peter at that moment to keep his eyes on Jesus absolutely because when he was walking towards him with his gaze at him and his eyes locked into him, he stayed and walked on the water. I mean, how cool is that? That's the coolest thing I think that I could have ever have witnessed. And, and then as soon as he gets hit by a, a wave, he's like, oh. And the wind blows and he's like, ooh. And then he realizes, what am I doing? The boat's over there, and what am I doing out here? And he starts to sink. So much so that he's actually, now this is Peter, who's a fisherman. I think Peter knew how to swim. He didn't even bother to to resort to his ability to swim. Because the fear and unbelief started to sink in so much so that it started to grip him and pull him down. And that's what I feel like sometimes we're in this stuff and we feel like we're just getting pulled down. And yes, isn't it so good and God is so gracious and merciful that we just simply need to call out, help me, help me, help me, help my unbelief. Lord, I'm afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm afraid of what world my grandchildren are going to grow up into. Help me. And he's so merciful and he's so kind and he's so good to just reach down and say, come on up. But he doesn't say come on up and say, it's okay. Why were you afraid? Why did you doubt? Is it not me? Am I not God? I don't know if we realize this, but God is really good at being God. 
Let's really believe that. If we really believe that, let's keep our focus on him, our gaze on Jesus. Let's lock eyes with Jesus. Our culture is confused. Seriously. We have redefined our gender even. How God created us male and female is being redefined. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. I know that the stuff is, is, there's a lot of injustice in this world. And there's a lot, a lot of deception and delusion that gets us frustrated, upset, and angry. And we feel like we gotta do something and we gotta right the wrong. And I, I am praying that we always will only right the wrong that Jesus wants us to right. Do you remember when Jesus was in the garden? He was in the garden praying. And it was the night before he was to be taken. And the one who was the betrayer came to him and gave him a kiss, Judas. And how hurtful that would have been for Jesus to have been betrayed by his friend, one of his followers. And Peter gets up and he says, oh, no way. Here we go. Finally time to fight. Yes. Grabs his sword. Wow. Slices off the ear of the, the guy that grabbed Jesus. Slices his ear off. I think that's like either he was really had some really good aim. Man, I think that Peter was a fighter. He knew how to fight. And when you watch The Chosen, it's pretty funny. It actually shows him that way. I think they portray him correct. And Jesus does something that's so awesome. Reaches down, <laughs> grabs the guy's ear, puts it back on. And, Peter, and Jesus says to Peter, no, that's not how we're doing it. That's not how we're doing it. That's how you would do it. Because yes, this is in unjust. I'm being falsely accused. I'm being betrayed. So yes, you feel like you need to fight. But I'm telling you, no. We need to love. And that's the kingdom way. I'm going to finish off and I'm going to read this Hebrews chapter 12. I think it's so awesome. I don't, I don't know. Did I actually read that? No, I didn't. Hebrews chapter 12, there's only a few verses. <laughs> it says this, I think because it, it, it speaks it so clearly and so, like you said, he's, it's in the book. This is all in the book. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, referring to Hebrews 11, talking about the, 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 the hall of faith, the, those that the people who have trusted the Lord said, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely 
And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, your own blood, and you have forgotten that exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And besides this, we, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of our spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good. And see, see how this is referring to the judgment of God. I want you to see this. That we may share in his holiness. For the moment, the, for the moment, all, for at the moment, or the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Hello, that's a duh. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen the weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness and for, and for the holiness for without and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Did you hear that? How do we see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God? It's really, I think, as simple as that, though, too. Seeing people as Jesus sees them. When we see people as Jesus sees them. I think our objective is going to see to it that we do not see that anybody fails to at least understand and know and be able to have an opportunity to receive the grace of God. One of the things that, that I think that, we, that stops us is, is our misunderstanding, our misconstrued view of how we think that you should be accepted by God. In other words, we think that people need to be thinking like us to be accepted by God. And that's actually, I think, a, a fault of the church, fault of us as believers, when we start saying, well, this is how you need to think, this is how you need to be. You need to be this by, and you need to sign up for this political party, and you can't do this, you can't do that, and you have to be like this and be like that. God's saying, well, where's my grace in all of that? Where's my grace in all of that? Well, that person can't come. They, they, they're homosexual. Like, they got to they gotta give that up before they get right with God. Like, really? So, so you mean you got to go take a bath, then take a shower so that you can take a bath? 
I mean, how many of you come to church right, just right? <laughs> None of us are right. We're still coming to try to make an attempt to get right, right? Hello? Well, I, I, at least me, I, I know I am. And uh, like I said it before earlier, it's like as baby Christians, we think that, oh, it's, it's my, it's my a- actions that God's looking at. And my heart is good. My heart is right. And the more I realize I am immature and how, and the wiser I get in the Lord, the more I realize my heart is bad. And it needs some cleansing. It needs some washing, right? Hello? Anyway, let's go. Let's go. Uh, 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 see to it that no one, uh, uh, no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and a sound of a trumpet and the, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. He's referring to Moses coming down from the mountain. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you, you, us, have come to Mount Zion. That's when we talk about I was born in Zion. It's a holy city, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable and to innumerable angels in festival gathering. And to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. And to God, the judge of all. And to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Let's pray this morning because I feel like here's where I want us to end up with this is before we, you can close your eyes, but before we come to this place of just like understanding what God is about. God is a loving Father, and He is good. And as a good, loving Father, He's not looking to smite us, He's not looking to judge us, He's not looking to condemn us. In fact, he tells us this, he tells us this, and this is a promise, and I want us to hear this very word that's very true. 
said, my eyes, my eyes are looking, they're roaming, they're looking to and fro. They're looking at every place on the planet Earth, every place. And they're looking for a heart, a heart that surrenders to him, a heart that submits to him, a heart that says yes completely and fully without anything holding back to him. He says, when I find that heart, when I find that heart that says yes to me, I instill within that heart my spirit, and that spirit with my spirit comes wisdom and revelation and courage, so much so that as you see people in need, you will have the courage, you will have the faith, you will have the wisdom, the revelation. When you see people that don't know me, to speak my words, to help those in need, to be my hands, to be my feet. I am looking to instill my spirit within those that say yes. And that's all that I'm about. So Father God, we just thank you that you see us. You see us right where we're at. And we're thankful, Father God, that as you see us right where we're at, We're thankful that you are good and that you love us. That if we're not where we're supposed to be, that it's your judgment that, that actually will grow us. That will actually transform us and make us. That actually do something that causes us to move towards you and completely surrender to you. We are thankful that you are good and that you are true. And that you are just. And you are in all of this. All of it. And we are thankful that you have called us your own. Your children. So continue to love us. And we say yes. In Jesus' name. Amen.